Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley, joined by Greg Barnes, Ross Martin, our weekly Tuesday night, actually recording our Tuesday night show on a Tuesday night. Greg, I'll come your way first. Uh, we talked about it briefly off air. Let's talk about it on the air. I believe a question was posed to Roy Williams in the post-game press conference, so I'll pose it to you. Is this North Carolina basketball team as good as the Virginia Tech and Gonzaga performances or somewhere around the four loss performances? Well, I think the fact that we have seen a couple games now uh, where they can shoot lights out against a good opponent and win, that's a positive development. Uh, and I think Gonzaga is a, a better team than Virginia Tech. But that was you know, after a bumpy start. North Carolina just kind of put the uh, hit the gas, and, and uh, Virginia Tech really had no answer. And the fact that they have such a small bench, I don't know what it is with the ACC, but North Carolina's played what, three straight games against teams that have, like, nobody on the bench? And I don't get that, but that's that's how it's been. I mean, Miami has, what, seven guys? Yep. And uh, Virginia Tech's not much different. So, anyway, that's, that's a tangent. But um, I think Gonzaga's better than Virginia Tech, but North Carolina, you know, because they were so efficient offensively, uh, we're, we're just a, a – markedly better team i think that's kind of the key takeaway now does that mean that north carolina uh, is over the hump i don't think so i mean north carolina you know had struggled shooting the ball in recent weeks and so you would like to think that maybe after the virginia tech game everything's going to start clicking but that's not how it's been for this team so we're going to have to see you know some more consistent play uh game in and game out to be able to say hey okay this this team's finally arrived um but for sure, you know, North Carolina, when they're shooting like that, they can beat anybody. We, we've seen them play against some some good teams, and when they don't shoot well, there's a lot of issues. I think Roy always says, and he's, he's brought it up a bunch this year, that you know, the, everything looks better when the, the ball goes in. We all know that. But I think more with this team than maybe some other teams in the past, it's really true because this team still does struggle a bit scoring i mean uh, playing defense um and they struggle at times with with turnovers i mean as good as uh kobe white played against virginia tech still coughed up you know three turnovers and then you got seventh woods as your as your backup also with three turnovers uh and so your turnovers continues to be something that that rory is just harped on um they haven't been as dominant rebounding the ball uh, as rory would like in some of these games so there's still a lot of issues that this team has to continue to improve on. But when you can shoot like that and you can make 16 three-pointers, which is just crazy considering they missed 11 of their first 12, uh, you, you can you can make up for a lot of miscues by, by shooting that well. Ross, to Greg's point about it looks better when it goes in the basket, especially for this team, is you know at times there's just not a, a viable option other than outside shots and making outside shots. Now, Garrison Brooks stepped up in that first half, and Nasir Little has started getting some points in the paint, so that bodes well for North Carolina. But you, know, you, you posed the question off air, so I'll let you answer it. I mean, where is North Carolina in that 
spectrum. I think if they're going to shoot 50% plus from the field, 40% from three, they can make a very, very deep run. I'm not sure that's realistic, uh, especially for six games straight. I mean, we are just six games through the ACC schedule, but your overall take on, you know, sort of where they are on the good-bad metrics. Yeah, and I think you're right saying it's not realistic to maintain that um, that kind of sharp shooting. Um, maybe we'll see it a couple more times. But I think one way to look at this is that there's so many players on this team that can knock down threes. So while maybe they don't shoot like they did against uh, Virginia Tech and Gonzaga hitting you know, 16 threes, but if one or two guys are cold, Maybe you say Luke May and, and Kobe White are cold. You know, you, you saw Nasir Little hit two threes. Cameron Johnson has been very consistent. Kenny Williams has, has had games where he hits three or four threes uh, over the course of his career. Grant Robinson. So you have a lot of shooters. It seems like only Garrison Brooks is like one guy who doesn't take threes and can't make them. So that's promising. And and if, you know, if Nasir can and develop a three, that would certainly <clears throat> enhance what he can do. But there's a lot of shooters on this team, and so that's encouraging from that standpoint. Greg hit on a lot of good points. You know, this team isn't exactly where they need to be defensively. They did look better, I thought, um, against Virginia Tech on defense. They do turn the ball over a lot, and the rebounding isn't as dominant. I hadn't really thought about that, but the numbers, they're just a little bit closer to their opponent in the rebounding numbers in the last couple games, which is unusual. Usually it's a, a, at least a 10-point differential um, against most teams, honestly. Um, one thing I'll add, you know, my big thing has been that there's no interior, uh, not not min, not much interior scoring, not many go-to post players uh, for UNC, and that has forced them to rely more on the perimeter um, perimeter game. But Garrison Brooks is slowly coming along as a, as a pretty good option down there, at least off offensive rebounds and a you know some drive and dish dunks for him as well. Nasir Little is definitely taking the ball to the hoop more and, and operating around in that paint. And, of course, Luke May um, can do work down low. So there's kind of three options. There's no Bryce Johnson. There's no even Kenny Meeks in that group. But there's three guys who I think are coming along in terms of their interior scoring. None of them are that tall or, or that dominant inside. But like the variety of shooters they have, with Nasir coming along as a, as a scorer down low, they're adding a couple more pieces to the offense. and. That isn't encouraging for UNC fans. Um, but, yeah, I don't think Virginia Tech was that good. It is weird. Like Greg said at the start, uh, a lot of these teams have been super undermanned, which is I don't I don't get it. Like, I don't know why these injuries are just poor scholarship distribution and stuff. But they've UNC's kind of caught a break and been able to stack wins here at the beginning of the season. And to provide a little bit of context to, to Ross's initial point about you know, North Carolina – not being able to maybe shoot at this high of a level. They don't have to. I mean, I think he's he's clearly right there. North Carolina is shooting 47% from the floor on the season, uh, but UNC is 15-0 when they're shooting 45% or better. And that seems to be kind of the, the threshold there, is that when they you play teams like Michigan and Louisville with some bad losses, you know, they're shooting below 40% in those games. So – you know, if you if you shoot forty five percent or better, uh, I think this team can compete, and I, I think that's one of the reasons the game was was a good one. They didn't shoot that well in that game, 
but they were scrappy, right? And they, they cut down on turnovers late. They played better defense, and that allowed them to win. And so you know, Roy got on that kick of, hey, we gotta we got to win ugly, right? And they, I think they finally did. Um, and that's kind of what he means is when the shots aren't falling, you've got to do that better job. Uh, but you know, this team doesn't have to shoot 55% to win against good teams. If they shoot 50%, it's going to be tough to beat them. If they shoot 55%, you know, nobody's going to beat them. But that goes for a lot of teams in the country. But I do think, you know, around that 45% or, or higher is where this team can really kind of mask some of their deficiencies. And that's going to happen because, like you, as we mentioned earlier, we get the defense and the turnovers. And then, as Ross said, you know, with the lack of like, you know, legitimate true post big. Brooks has done good, but he, he's not a guy that you're going to feed him and let him make post moves. He's going to get garbage buckets. Um, and then, you know, Nazir having a little bit better sense to, you kind of get into the pain and, and really be effective at the rim. Uh, it gives him confidence. It gives everybody else around him confidence because everybody excited. Uh, and so it's nice to see him in the last three games really, really kind of emerge. A lot to talk about there. Let me come with this point, Greg and Ross, both. We talked about the bench. North Carolina has a long one. That's by Roy Williams design, is it not? Now there've been some of these teams that just don't have guys over there. Um, I think Notre Dame, what had eight dressed, you know, that's a combination of, of a lot of issues, but the one thing it's funny to me is we see teams like that, that have no bench. And then we see teams that have benches that don't play them. Um, And then we even see teams that have benches, don't play them. And then the pundits talk about how they don't have any depth, but I digress on that point. Roy Williams has a bench. He's played a lot of it. Um, You know, a lot of folks have clamored for him to shorten the rotation and Greg, he has done that somewhat in the ACC, but you know, there's always a plan. And I think, when you get into situations where Carolina's playing these teams and running these teams that just wear out, I think Miami wore, wore out. And I think uh, Laranago admitted that in postgame. Virginia Tech wore out. Um, of course, foul trouble was big, and as did uh, Notre Dame. But when you get to this point, you don't always need all the bullets in your gun, but at least Roy Williams has them. Yeah, and I think this kind of goes back to the the philosophy that Roy has. And – it, we've done this for so long, guys, that that we understand it. And I, I guess there's some emotion in play with, with fans who maybe don't quite get it. Roy builds throughout the season. You know in November and December, there's going to be a lot of guys maybe at the end of the bench are going to play minutes in the first half of games that you may not see in February. But that's for a couple reasons. One is to give the, the more experienced guys some breaks. But it gives those younger guys or the, the the reserves more opportunities to grow and to get better and to potentially break through and be able to help in conference play. And what that allows you to do, like you're saying, Tommy, is that when teams have deficiencies, you can use that as a strength, right? I, I'm scouting the Virginia Tech game. And I'm saying, okay, Virginia Tech is one of the best teams in the country at knocking down threes. That's not a good matchup for North Carolina. Virginia Tech does a really good job forcing turnovers and scoring points off those turnovers. They're averaging like 19.4 points off turnovers per game heading into that Monday night tip. Well, Carolina's had issues with turnovers. That doesn't bode well. So you start saying, okay, North Carolina's also struggled defensively. This may not be a good matchup for UNC. 
So where does UNC have an advantage? And then you watch the national anthem and you look over there and you see all these Tar Heels lined up and you look across the way, there's eight Virginia Tech players dressed out. So as Roy said in the post game, he was asked about that 20 year run. I think uh, our intern Gregory Hall asked him, and what does Roy say? So, well, you know, two of their key guys got in foul trouble early because they don't have anybody on the bench. And that was it. So you have eight guys dressed out, two of your best players are sidelined because of foul trouble. You don't have many other options. And so, you know, as the course of a game plays out, North Carolina likes to push tempo. So fouls build. And then you get guys, like you said, like Miami, where they just get worn down. And so while North Carolina is subbing all these different guys in, I mean, I think, what is there? Just looking at the numbers here. Uh, yeah, there's 10 guys averaging 11 minutes or more per game for UNC. Uh, so, I mean, that's a lot of players that Roy can run in and out, even if it's for you know, a couple minutes here or there. And that adds up because by the end of the game, the other team's going to be taxed a little bit. And so that's when you want your guys to have an edge, right, at the end of the game. And so all these things are by design. It's not like Roy gets lucky. Oh, okay, they got in foul trouble. Well, what do you know? It worked out for us. I mean, it's part of the plan, and it's worked for him for a very long time. And so this is interesting to me that you know, you got announcers and you got some fans who, who still struggle to kind of understand that this is kind of how he puts things together. But yet, it's one of the reasons why he's he's got so many wins under his belt. The the foul trouble issue with Virginia Tech and then running out even even makes it kind of more hesitant to to really get super excited about UNC's win and how dominant they were. Because yeah, you're right. Two of their best players were out for large portions of the game, and they were just handicapped early, and that's where UNC took advantage. So for the fans out there, I mean, it's great to see UNC shoot at a really high percentage and score so efficiently and, and they look really good, but Virginia Tech was really outmanned and outmatched. So I think you need to uh, consider this potentially another fool's gold situation, a buzzword I used uh, in the Gonzaga game. But I think this leads nicely to our lineup talk, Tommy. It does. I'm going to take a short commercial break, come back, uh, kind of peruse the message board, see the, uh, get the feel of the fan See what they're talking about, and we'll do the same right after this break. Ross, since you segued to it, I'll start with you. Uh, it seems like there's a lot of angst about the backup point guard position. Obviously, Kobe White has been phenomenal as a freshman for, for Roy Williams in Carolina. Uh, and, like Sherelle and I talked about on yesterday's show, answers uh, all the questions that folks had, him coming in, playing – you know, being from little old Greenfield and Wilson answered all those questions. The question is, when Kobe goes out, what does North Carolina have? And that has been um, a troubling issue. And I think, if my memory serves, the Louisville game was a situation where foul trouble limited him and there was really nobody else. Ross is seventh Woods. Um, it's been his position to lose uh, first part of the season. Leaky Black's played some point. Kenny Williams has even had some point. And I think maybe Playtech played some point at some point early in the season. But tell me your thoughts on where that position is at this point in the season. Eight days between games here. Georgia Tech coming up. Uh, the ACC is not getting any easier. Kobe White needs some help at the point. 
Yeah, I mean, clearly we're seeing how important Kobe White is this is to this team. Um, obviously, one of the better offensive players and critical to to getting the offense going. I think he has exceeded expectations at this point in the season for what he can do for this team. But yeah, he's definitely going to need some rest, especially near the end of the ACC slate and into the postseason. I, I'm not. I think Woods kind of serves that point guard role, uh, backup point guard role, decently. I mean, he's not going to be scoring a lot of points. We've seen some flashes. You know, you know, maybe didn't look as good against Virginia Tech, but there's games he has shown that he can, you know, have three or four assists and and score a bucket here or there, knock on some free throws. Um, and he's quick and athletic. Um, obviously, he's not of starter caliber, but that's why he's the backup point guard. And I think splitting him and Leaky Black, and maybe between them, getting ten minutes at point guard. To, to have White play about 30 minutes is, is what UNC needs. Because um, I always remember Nate Britt, and, you know, he wasn't anything special. But he would come in, and, and if if Seventh Woods can kind of play that Nate Britt role where you don't hurt the team, you can play some defense, you can handle the ball and not turn the ball over, that's all his team needs from him. Um, I think people are easy to – really jump on Woods for, for some of his mistakes. And I think they need to be patient with him because he has shown flashes. Um, yeah, I don't know. What, what do you think about that, Greg? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think the issue for, for seventh is that he had a really good start uh, to, to the season. Uh, just kind of looking at his stats here. I mean, he's 45-31 assists turnover on the season, but yet an ACC play. Uh, he's currently at five twelve, um, which is which is not getting it done. I mean, we know that seventh is not a a scoring point guard, uh, but where he really excelled early in the year was taking care of the ball, running the offense, and being effective. And he's just going through a tough stretch right now. So I think that's where the angst comes from: is you put him in the game, he's not going to score for you. But if he's turning the ball over more than creating offense, really, what is he providing? And I think I think Roy probably saw enough out of seventh early in the year uh, to where you know sometimes uh, Kobe got wild, you know, which is to be expected. But he got wild and he was able to put seventh in, and seventh kind of settled things down. And we were all impressed with that. I think most people were. Uh, but as Kobe has kind of come into his own, seventh has taken a step back. And so I think that's a critical development. And I think you know, seventh really. They need him back to where he can be a capable backup. Uh, I don't know exactly what the what the uh, struggles for Leaky Black have been. I, mean, I think uh, I don't think I'm alone in this. That when he gets on the court, it seems like he is very productive on both ends. You know, nothing flashy, as he told me after the game Monday. You know, he he sees himself as kind of a glue guy because he thinks that's what the team needs, and so he's excited about providing that type of role for the team. Um, but Roy, you know, said after the game that you know, Leaky hasn't played as well as he wanted him to, uh, and so maybe that's something we can explore with with Roy uh, in, in the you know coming days or weeks whenever we get to talk to him next. Because I am curious about that aspect. Uh, but you, know, I'm sure that he sees what Seventh is doing right now. He doesn't like it, but he also knows what he did earlier in the year. So by continuing to play him, maybe Seventh can get it turned around. And if seventh can play like he did earlier in the year, that's going to be key because, as you guys said, you know, if Kobe's having to log all these minutes, eventually that's going to be tough for a freshman. It's one thing if he's a second-year player 
logging a ton of minutes running at this pace. Uh, but for a, a kid his age to be logging these kind of minutes you know, at, at such an up-tempo rate, I think that has the potential to be problematic for, for him as we get closer to March. And, of course, that's, that's not what North Carolina needs. Tom, you got to take? Well, you know, seventh played great in first half against Virginia Tech. His defense, I think, really sparked Carolina and got him rolling. And then in the second half, it was like a completely different person came out there. And that's what, um, for me, watching him, he's a junior. He's been at Carolina for a long time. You know, seemingly, since we've heard about him since he was in eighth grade, he, he's been around forever. So he's a, one of the old guys. And he makes those um, casual mistakes that he makes in the second half. And I think those type things are what drives Roy Williams nuts. And I think that's why um, Leaky Black's going to get more of an opportunity. Like y'all both said, somebody just needs to come in and not be a negative. Sherelle McMillan says it all the time. And it's absolutely true when you've got players like Kobe White, whoever subs in for him, don't be a negative. I think seventh may be at the end of the rope for him or, you know, the end of his chances. I still think Roy Williams is going to give him every opportunity, but he can't play great for one minute and bad for five others. I just don't think um, if he can figure that portion out of it, then I think he's extremely valuable, very athletic, can do some things. It'll be fun to watch because Roy Williams, as the ACC rails on, He's not going to be experimenting, I don't think. Greg, do you think uh, he doesn't seem the type to experiment in February and March? No, he never has been. He's going to do that in the early part of the year. And then basically by February, if he can't trust you, your your minutes are going to disappear. So, yeah, I agree with you on that. And and I think we were seeing that already. Andrew Playtack has pretty much been taken out of the rotation. He didn't play any critical minutes against Virginia Tech. So they're down to got kind of a nine-man rotation when you take seven, uh, Sterling Manley out. Um, and it, it, it seems like Brand Robinson has kind of submitted himself in a role along with Woods and Black. And you have the other guys, you're getting a wealth of the minutes. I think, I mean, I think most fans would agree with me here. I think Nasir Little um, could benefit from a lot more time. I and mean, he scored 23 points in 20 minutes. Um, last night, just think about what he could do in 25 minutes. I, I think it's, we've kind of gotten past the time of you need more minutes to just feel more comfortable as the games are more important. But I think he can really produce more, and I think his team could benefit from that. It takes some pressure off May and 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 Brooks and even some even Cameron Johnson, Kenny Williams to get more rest leading into the the, the last stretch of the ACC season into the postseason because um, he's starting to hit his stride. I kind of love to kind of see what Greg thinks about Little and how he's kind of developed in the last three or four games because it seems like it kind of clicked maybe two or three games ago and it's kind of taking off at a upward trajectory. Let yeah. me uh, hold hold on, Greg. Let me let me take a break. Pay Ross okay. a salary with another commercial. We'll come back because this was going to be my uh, the nice little portion of the program. Anyway, quick break. We'll come back and we'll do it. Greg to Ross's point. Uh, 23 points in 20 minutes Monday night. Uh, he's finally appearing to do the things that everybody expected him to do. Um, carry forth in what you were going to say in response to Ross's question. 
Well, before I answer his question, I want to pose one. Um, I get this a lot on, on Twitter, and some of the responses I get aren't uh, the most intelligent. So I know I'll get an intelligent one from Ross. So if if Nasir needs more minutes, which yeah. I don't necessarily disagree with, where is he getting those minutes from? Because if he's get, getting minutes, that means somebody else is losing minutes. So who whose minutes are, is he taking? And that's funny you say that. I had a this exact conversation with a group chat today. Shout out Wayne House and Keaton Brewer. Uh, we talked about this. And I, I think kind of what I hinted to earlier, you kind of take minutes away. Just, I mean, a minute or two here and there from the combination of Williams, Brooks, Johnson, and May. And you lighten their load. You know, May was worn down in the last season. Um, and they're using Kenny Williams and Cameron Johnson so much. Um, they could benefit, I think, long-term from less minutes. Um, I, I think that's, that's kind of the easy answer. I don't know if that is is, is kind of – that suffices what you're looking for there. But, you know, sometimes just get – in the first half, you know, not play one of those players as much and save them if you need them in the second half. And I think – that wear and tear, that limit of the wear and tear could actually benefit this team and uh, help Nasir get more minutes and feel more comfortable. So when you need him come uh, last part of the ACC slate and the postseason, he'll be there. And I think he'll be able to produce. Because um, right now, no one is averaging over 29 minutes. And that's really good. I mean, I remember last year, Theo Pinson and, and Joel Berry were in like the 32, 31, 32 range, I think, those guys, and Luke May last year. So. I think giving the starters a little bit of a, a break would help this team long term. It's a win-win. Well, Greg, the, I agree with him. Boom. Yeah, I don't. I, I, mean, I don't know. I don't know what else you would say. You know. Well, I think yeah. what most people say is, "Oh, you, you know, sit Garrison," and I don't think it's that simple. Uh, I, I do know one thing, and Greg, you can talk about it. Adrian Atkinson's article that I gave you guys for homework: Cam Johnson and Nasir Little in the game at the same time is very, very good for North Carolina. And I think Garrison Brooks is – I don't. I think he's great. I mean, I think he's what UNC needs, a burly def, uh, defender and rebounder. Like, they need that big body there. It really um, changes this team and gives them a little presence down there. Uh, I think a lot of people think the solution is to limit Garrison Brooks. I don't think that's the answer. I think it's spreading those minutes out among the four non-point guard starters. Yeah, and if you look at the, the numbers in conference play uh, – Luke is averaging 32 minutes per game. Cam's okay. at 29.3, and Kenny's at 28.2. But to your point, Ross, yes, Roy did a better job in the non-conference of limiting those minutes so they weren't taxed as much. And that goes back to what we were talking about earlier about you know trying to kind of lengthen that rotation, uh, not only to help the experienced guys, but also to give the you know reserves some extra minutes. Um, yeah, and I think that's the that's the interesting dynamic because. To hear some people talk like, ah, oh, Nasir is playing like five minutes a game. If he played more, he'd be great. <laughs> well, he's, you know, he's six on the team in minutes. So it's not like he's uh, incredibly limited. But then you start saying, okay, well, you know, you know Luke's going to get minutes because they have to have a, a viable you know, scorer in the post. And Luke's really the only one. Cam's the best player on the team right now. Um, Kobe's got to play. We've already had that conversation. I know a lot of people argue about Kenny, but you know, Nas is really not in that role anyway at the, at the two. Uh, and uh, I think Kenny with his leadership and 
Uh, we know how Roy thinks about his defense and all those things. So I don't think Kenny's minutes are going. So now you are talking really about uh, you know, it's kind of a, a Garrison and, and Nasir thing. And maybe if Nasir continues to play like he's played the last three games, uh, maybe he does you know, start shifting some of those minutes away from Garrison. Or maybe he does, you know, maybe still a few minutes from from Brandon Robinson as the, the season progresses. Um, but you know, I think Garrison, the way that he has been playing, he has been very efficient. You know, he, does he have limitations? Sure. Uh, but without Manly available, you know, we've talked about this ad nauseum, it seems like. Last year, and back, you go back to 2012, 2013, Roy Williams went small out of necessity. And I'm sure that infuriated him. It's one thing, <laughs> like he did two years ago, right? The last, you know, both teams that went to the title game. He used a small lineup a good bit. But he used it as a change of pace to complement the big lineup. And ideally, he wants to be able to use one or the other depending on how the matchups dictate. Um, and I think that's what he's he's sticking with. It's like, look, if I can go big with Garrison, that's maybe you know, the preference. Or even not, I want it to at least be 50-50 with being able to play big versus playing small. Uh, and I know that's maybe not what a lot of people want him to do, but I think that's kind of a key ingredient for this team to reach its potential. And so then you get into, well, if, if Nas plays more minutes, he's proven to be efficient, he'll you know, he'll score more points, and that would help the team. So there is that back and forth of, okay, what's better for the team? Um, and I think we'll just have to wait and see how it plays out. But I can guarantee you, if Nasir continues to play like he has the last three games, in which he has, uh, more than anything, he's attacked the basket. He's He's been effective. Tommy, you had a good tweet. I don't know if it was a Miami game or Notre Dame, but good things happen when he gets the ball near the basket. When he gets the ball out on the perimeter, uh, you're not exactly sure what you're going to get. He doesn't have the best handle. He hasn't shot the ball very well from three this year. I think he was 20% coming into the game the night and the big ones. Um, but around the basket, he has he's kind of found that groove. And if he continues to do that uh, over these coming weeks, He's going to earn more minutes, and he's going to play more minutes, and a lot of this stuff will kind of sort itself out. But for sure, right now, you kind of look at it, saying, "All right, well, where he needs more minutes, but where exactly, where exactly does that come from?" As uh, my wife asked me when we were watching the game, she said, "Who who decides uh, how many minutes they get on the game? You know, in the game, does Steve Robinson keep up with that? He's always riding." And I said, "Roy Williams decides who goes in." And then Steve Robinson keeps up with everything else. But, uh, you know, the man in the ones, the Jordan ones, the off-white Jordan ones makes that decision. <laughs> let's uh, let's sort of spin to the last topic, and it's something that has really come up since Virginia Tech. And, Ross, I'll start with you on it. Uh, Kobe White and Nasir Little, is it this, – this is a crazy question. Is it – does it come a time that it's going to be their team? Ooh. It, and 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 would that be better for this team if it did? I mean, what do you define as their team, I guess? Uh the leading scores. Okay. And just sort of the the I mean, what you saw against Virginia Tech. I I would think we all agree that Monday night 
Carolina was Kobe and Nassau, Kobe and Nasir and the rest of the guys. I don't mean you know what I'm talking about. Is it can it be the freshman's team and this team be better maybe for it? Yeah, I, I didn't know if you meant maybe like from a leadership standpoint. Um, that too, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think Kobe White, I mean, he is, like I said earlier, the most important player for this team. And I don't think Nasir Little is to that point. I think Luke May, it's a combination of Luke May, um, Kobe White, and then Cameron Johnson scoring. And, and I think Kenny Williams plays a big leadership role. I think he is maybe kind of the glue guy in terms of uh, as a vocal leader and, and maybe a role model for the younger players. Um, but from an on-the-court point, I think Kobe White is as much as this is as much of his team as anybody's in terms of what he can do. I think he has to score a lot for this team to be really good. Um, I think he needs to, you know, put up those kind of 15 to, to 25 point games in a pretty regular basis and play a lot. And yeah, just like any other point guard, he is very, very important to this team. And I think you kind of, you've seen that happen a lot leading to last night's game and against Virginia tech and, Definitely wasn't play there. Um, to see a little, I, I don't have that feeling yet. Um, I don't know if he's going to have 23-point games that often. I think he's more going to be in that 12 to 15-point range. But um, I still think Luke May and Cameron Johnson are super key to this team's success. And given their senior status, I would see it, think it's very much the seniors team. Um, but, yeah, on the court, it's Kobe White is, is hugely important. I don't know if I hedged on that one, but a little bit. But, I, I think it's been, that, I, I think it's been Kobe White's team, you know, since he's a starting point guard in terms of his importance. I, I think definitely as far as his importance. But Greg, and and you wrote the article. I think you wrote the article after. Yeah. You know, they share the spotlight. I mean, that's that's a big deal for North Carolina to have two freshmen sharing the spotlight, especially when you've got three upperclassmen or three, two seniors and a grad. Uh, especially when you're talking about Luke May and Kenny Williams that have been there and been through it all and won national championship. Now you've got Kobe and Nasir. I just think that maybe games like it was Monday night, that's Carolina's better when those things happen, when those guys are the ones leading. Now, does Cam Johnson need to score? Absolutely. But if Nasir Little can get 10, 11, 12 shots a game, he absolutely, I think, can average 20 a night. Is that good? Is that better for North Carolina, Greg? I think this is a this is a multifaceted uh, topic, and I, I think you're onto something, Tommy. But I think it's important to remember that this is Carolina basketball, and what that means is there's going to be a lot of reliance on the the upperclassmen, the guys that have been there and done that. And I think really for the first, I mean, you could even say first. 18 games, to be honest, uh, before the Virginia Tech game, how how North Carolina's senior class performed really told you how the team would play. And I think I think the couple big games, the road win at NC State, um, and then the the road win uh, at Miami. What did you see in those games? Those were games where the seniors really elevated their play, right? Uh, I mean, at NC State. Those three guys all had double doubles, which is ridiculous. Cam Johnson did some really big threes in that game. 
Miami cut their deficit to one twice in the second half. Who hit big shots? Cam hit back-to-back three-pointers in those situations to push the lead back to four. And then Kenny Williams hit two big threes after that. So in terms of whose team this is, no doubt in my mind, this is Kenny Williams' team, this is Luke May's team, and this is Cam Johnson's team. Now, what we saw on Monday against Virginia Tech was Kobe White showed out and Nasir Little showed out. And as I wrote in my article, with those two guys being the best players on the team, the potential for this team all of a sudden expands and gets better. And that doesn't mean that no longer do you need Luke and Kenny and Cam to continue doing what they're doing because you need that senior leadership. You need that experience on the court. But when you can complement those guys with dynamic athletic freshmen that are going to have long NBA careers, well, now you're cooking. Now you've got a lot of pieces in play, and it's not just, well, if if Cam doesn't play well, if Cam and Luke don't play well, North Carolina's not going to win because it was that way for a couple of those games. Um, so I think I think now we're in a situation where if all those guys kind of play well together, then this team can really live, live up to some of those preseason expectations, whereas you know, a matter of a week or two ago, we're saying, okay, well, you know, maybe they are Sweet 16, uh, but maybe they can't get beyond that. Now I think with what we saw against Virginia Tech, maybe they can reach those goals. I think an interesting play in that ball game, and the reason I started thinking about this is I can't remember who started it, but they kicked it over to Luke May, and Luke May's the senior. I mean, he he has earned the right to drive that ball all the way to the basket, and he threw the alley to Nasir Little. I thought that play was sort of like what we're talking about here: one of the seniors giving it up to one of the young guys for the betterment. Um, of that play, that game, that momentum there. I, I thought it interesting. Ross, uh, something we haven't talked about that we should have. Uh, you, you mentioned you've been having a group chat, kind of cheating on us, having group chat with some other folks. What would you all talk about that might be relevant to our our podcast? Uh, <laughs> Put you on the spot, man. <laughs> man, I don't know. I mean, I have tons of UNC group chat. Someone was mentioned about Keen Stadium and Mac Brown today on there um artificial turf or not yeah it was it was about that um (laughs) i mean yeah it's about rotations and and lineups and who should play and who shouldn't play and um the normal stuff you know a lot of players want to see more nas and less seventh and that kind of stuff um nothing nothing crazy or outlandish but i wanted to add to um what greg said about leadership and the type of lineups. I mean, imagine and how this team can change. Imagine if Nasir starts averaging 18, 22 points a game. Imagine how much that changes what UNC does. I think it's kind of crazy to think about because then you have, what, five players you can score who could score in in upper double digits in terms of like, you know, 18 range. You can have Luke May, Cameron Johnson, Kobe White, Nasir Little. And I, th- I don't know if Kenny Williams is, is to that point yet, but he can hit some shots. So you have four or five players you can really put it in. I think, I mean, if Nasir Little can get it going, I mean, this team can be special uh, in terms of, of and things change with the expectations for, you know, how far they can go in the tournament. And it, we just saw a bit of it last night. Greg, wrap it up. I, I agree with Ross said. I, I believe that there's five 
There's definitely five people that can score 25 points a night if they or 25 points on any given night if they needed to. Not sure there's many more, any more than that. But uh, yeah, I, oh. I think if Nas figures it out and they can get him the ball and get him in position to score, I think this this whole team's outlook changes at least for me. Yeah, and I think I think you know that Kobe White, Cam Johnson, and Luke May are your your go-to scores. So you got three good options there. If Nas continues to do what he's doing, now you got another guy. And if Kenny Williams, like we're all said, he's hit some big shots. But if he gets back to shooting the percentages that we're used to seeing him shoot, now you are in a position where you've got five guys that can score. And what that does for you is that loosens things up for everybody. And that's one of the reasons you know that 09, there's the 08 and the 09 team were so effective. Is you just had so many options. I mean, pick your poison. And that makes it easier for everybody and it makes it harder for, for the defense, of course. But uh, one thing I, I wanted to add that we hadn't really talked about is uh, we, we knew if North Carolina could get off to a good start and win those two road games, they'd be in good shape in the ACC. And then, of course, Louisville happened, and that kind of changed everybody's opinion a bit. But now North Carolina took care of, of business since. And they're sitting at 5-1. and one. They're able to get a, a, a week of rest and kind of – uh, you have some good feelings about how well they've played kind of the last couple games. This is a team that's 3-0 and on the road in the ACC. That's very uh, – that's uh, quality. I mean, it's, it's hard to do that. North Carolina's only done that four times during the Roy Williams era. And now you're talking about, okay, you go to Georgia Tech, which you know, Carolina always has a tough time down there. But, you know, the Yellow Jackets are not what they once were, uh, even though Pastor's done an okay job. Uh, but then you things start to ramp up. You've got you know, at Louisville, you've got NC State coming coming to town. That'll be a tough one. Virginia's coming up soon. You got Duke on the schedule. Uh, so some of these games are are starting to get tough. So I think if North Carolina can get rested, get a win in Atlanta, get to six and one. I mean they're top of standings right now anyway. Uh, you have to feel pretty good that you've banked enough wins that you can go into some of these fist fights. And even if you lose a couple of them, uh, you're still in pretty good shape to contend there. And, of course, you've, you've got to win some of those those tough games against Louisville, against Virginia, against Duke. Even Syracuse is playing well right now. Uh, and how you fare in those particular games will determine, number one, if you can get a bye, you get that, that double bye in the ACC tournament, which is critical, uh, but also if you can legitimately contend for uh, the ACC regular season. And if you can do that, uh, of course, you know, a number one seed or, or at least a number two seed in the NCAA tournament is you know, on the horizon if you can do that. So uh, things things have gone well for UNC early. A lot of question marks that we still have about this team, uh, but they're, they're taking advantage of their opportunities and uh, they've had a pretty good season to date. Indeed, Carolina 5-1 and one in the conference leads to conference. Uh, I believe Duke and Virginia are going to join Carolina at 5-1 and one before we finish this podcast. The double bye in the ACC tournament is critical, especially this year with the teams in this conference. Uh, you want to be sitting and watching for those first two, day, first two days rather than playing. Greg Ross, always fun. Our weekly Tuesday night recording session is complete. You've been listening to the Inside Carolina podcast. Greg Barnes, Ross Martin. Thanks, guys. Tommy. Thanks, Tommy. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.